0: Thank you, you are well? Oh, we'll soon put a stop to that then, eh? Good to see you again, uh, it's good to be here and, and share God's word with you. Um, so thanks very much for, I've uh, been well fed today. Somebody called Mr and Mrs McFarlane looked after us, which is very good, and then, then other McFarlane's turned up, so I've had my five g- grandchildren all afternoon, so that makes me happy and June a happy grandmother. But let me bring you greetings from our own fellowship at Ladywell in Lovingston, where I'm now retired as pastor there. We've had two or three deaths this last couple of weeks, so it's been good just to say to the other pastor, here, you know, although we're taking part tomorrow in one of them, but uh, we give God thanks for his goodness to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for your word, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for all the truths contained therein, And we give you thanks, Lord, that you left us the Holy Spirit who would lead and guide us into all manners of truth. It is he who makes Jesus real to us. So again, Lord, as we pray this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes, and as we gather here, we might indeed see Jesus. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. I want to sing this if I can. Not me, you, because I don't do singing. I could have borrowed, I could have borrowed your guitar, couldn't I? But I don't often get this get this taken out. Um, there's probably about forty odd verses to this, so I've just picked the three. What I've done is normally we sing he died for me or he took my son but what I want to do this evening, this is our prayer to God. So we're talking directly to Jesus. You took my son, rather than just he. And to sing that God is so good, you are so good, rather than say he. And I'll try to play that. Do you know, do you know this song, I? many guys have I got in? Oh, oh yeah. All the men are gone. I don't know it, Jim. I don't know any, anyway, we'll sing it. We'll just sing it right through, okay? Mm. God,
1: you're so good, God, you're so good, God, you're so good, you're so good to me, you took my sin. So good back to back the core. You You care for me, you care for me, you care for me.
0: Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> I love that song. You know, I want to look at the goodness of God. And if you're here this morning, it's basically everything's kind of tied in. So if I say anything I've said this morning, I don't apologise. It's just the way it's all written down there. But if you've got your Bibles, I'm only going to look at one verse with you tonight. It's from Nahum chapter 1, and it's verse 7. That's fine, thank you. That's it. And that's the verse there. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of troubles. He cares for those, or depending on your version, he knows those who trust in him. And the Lord is good is such a stunning phrase, and we mentioned it earlier on this morning. This morning we mentioned it from Psalm 100, so it's quite good that um, Duncan read that. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. And the Lord is good sums up his character. God is good. Many other attributes, but tonight we just look at God. Is good. It's impossible to say that God is good even in the midst. I said that this morning, even in tragedy and disappointments, but we gather here because good is so good to us. And as we said this morning, he is always the overflowing source of all good. God is good, his faithfulness is forever. And another good phrase of mine is: you shout back, I say God is good, and you see it all the time, and then I say it all the time, God is good. Right, we'll try that. God is good. All the time. Amen. Where's your pastor? You said, do that right on a Sunday morning. I did it at Ladyville every now and again. And it's brilliant when you get the feedback. God is good. All the time. There are many, many verses that we find this same sentiment. That the Lord is good. And we could have taken quite a few this evening. God is good and upright is he. We can talk about he is the gracious good God. Who promises to protect and care for all who put their trust in him. And we know that he always keeps all the promises that he makes God is good. The goodness of God, there is the idea of God's perfect moral goodness in contrast to the badness of the evil world that we live in. I'm sure you're all familiar with the story in Mark when the rich young ruler met Jesus and said, Good teacher. And Jesus replied, There is no one good except God alone. That's what we're thinking. God is good. When we think of God being good, there's many things we can think of. We can think of the perfect, sinless life of Jesus, or we can think of the perfect goodness of a holy God. When we think of God being good, it should point to us the way in which God is actively good towards us. We said that this morning. The number of times he blesses us and gives us things, is you can never count them. Or indeed, in the blessings that he bestows upon us. So, no matter how you look at how God is good and how he's good to us, we could take these three things and they would all bring us to God himself. God is good. Satan at times will try and get us to doubt the goodness of God. So, we're very, very weary of him and keep thanking God. For his goodness. I could have read the first seven chapters of Nahum, but I didn't. But if you've got time when you go home, um, late, well, I'll be later on tonight anyway. Although you are looking, looking at the goodness of, of God, Nahum earlier in the first six verses in chapter one speaks about the severity of God. He talks about God being jealous, he talks about God being avenging. And you and I must always remember that God who is also a God of love is also a God of judgment. And we tend to forget that today. And it's sad that we live in an age when people feel uncomfortable with the idea of a jealous God or a God who judges. I've met them. There are those today who confess and profess to know Christ and sadly, that includes many Christian teachers and ministers among them who say that God is a God of love and we are all going to heaven anyway. So it doesn't matter too much how we behave. I would love to know what Bible they're reading. Because it's certainly know mine. And they'll tell you, people of high ranking have changed their minds over the years. Don't talk to us about hell and judgment. That's not the God we know because he's a God of love. And they seem to have driven a wedge between a God who judges on the Old Testament and a God of love in the New. And the unity, integrity of the Bible is challenged and questioned thereby. So be very, very careful. You and I are here today because of the sacrificial work that Christ has done for us. And for those who don't believe in him, there will come a day of judgment. And God warns us. And taking that same theme, I want to say this to you, I suggest to you, God is good because in his mercy, he warns us to be ready for the final day of judgment. Isn't that a good God? He just doesn't put us out in this world and leave us on our own. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. And even today it's sad that mankind can heed the warning. And many will do nothing about it. And to this end, God is good because he has provided um, the answer to sin and death through his son, Jesus. We said that this morning, there was no other good enough. Anyway, in the midst of all this talk in chapter 1 about the vengeance and judgment of God, Nahum, in the midst of all that, utters these words The Lord is good. And it's for this reason that you and I have hope. Isn't it amazing that God looked upon us even in our sin and he loved us and he cared for us. That shows you how good God is. And he never changes. All of us have been born with a sinful nature. We live in a corrupt world and sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we even struggle to know what is right And what is wrong? We find it difficult to know what pure goodness is. When I was pastor, I was chaplain at the school next door. And the head teacher told me one of the problems with the children is they do not know the difference between right and wrong. So when I'm going in there to talk to them about a God who loves them, you talk about the wrong and right, they've not got a clue. That's the world we live in today. Come in. If I were to ask you this evening, is God good? And I said that this morning, all of you would say, yes, God is good. That's a fairly safe question for any pastor to ask in a house of God. However, if I was to call by your home on, say, Thursday night, after God had said to you, no, to something that you were wanting or something very important you wanted to happen in your life, would you still say to me, Jim, God is good? Or would you stop talking to him? If I was to visit your home after you'd experienced a death in your family, would you still think that the Lord is good? Would you think he was good if there was a death in the family or if there was illness? Would you think he was any less good when he lets a loved one die and yet at times he lets others live? Is God any less good if illness strikes and there is no healing despite years of praying? Is it possible to say that God is good even in the midst of tragedy and disappointment? And let me assure you, I struggle with these questions. When you go and visit people and the life's in total turmoil and they ask you, where is God in the midst of this? Same place where he always is. Right beside you. But you and I need to learn if struggling with a problem, whether it's a question about God or about his goodness, you and I have the resources to turn to and we can turn to his holy word to be used as our guide. When struggling with difficult questions, don't turn your back on them. Go to him. As I said this morning, even if you got to shout at them, talk to him. Do you know why? Because God is our refuge. I, could, I was going to sing a song, but I don't sing. But if I was, I'd, be, I'd sing that old song, Where Could I Go But To The Lord. And old, old song, but where can you go? A refuge in time of trouble. You think you are going through problems. Let me tell you about a guy who went through problems. His name is Alan Gardner. That's the best kind of drawing I could get of the guy. And Alan Gardner experienced many, many physical difficulties and hardships throughout his service to the Saviour and despite his troubles he said this while god gives me strength failure will not daunt me he was a guy that was buffeted and bullied all over the place but he stood firm in 1851 at the age of 57 he died of disease and starvation while he served the lord on picton island at the southern tip of south america and when they found his body his diary lay nearby and it bore the record of hunger of thirst of wounds and loneliness and the last entry showed the struggle of his shaking hand as he tried to write legibly and it read this i am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of god and I'm like that, what? I'd be saying, where are you? Why you even got a doctor? Why you no, no food me? But here was a guy who knew the Lord intimately. Well, no matter what life threw at him, and that's where he said, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. So the next thing you're feeling a bit down, you think of Alan Gardner. And think of these tremendous words. Is God good? Well, let me tell you this evening, I have always found the answer to that question. Yes, God is good. Because God is not only good, he is a refuge for his people in times of trouble. Amazing verse. Where could you go but to the Lord? The Lord is good because he is a refuge in times of trouble of trouble he doesn't say oh Jim's in a terrible mess I'm off I'm leaving him on his own because I can't cope on my own we all have troubles in our lives and sometimes we are caught up in them that they seem to be taking over our lives that we do not know where to go for help and yet we should do you may turn to your friends for assistance but more as often as not the problems are beyond their ability to help us However, my God, and God's word tells me I can take my troubles to the Lord. What a friend I have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. What? Everything. Everything. To God in prayer. He is your refuge in times of trouble. Many can testify today that God cares for them because they put their trust in him alone. He comforts and he consoles. And Christians today know where their shelter is found. It is at Calvary where Jesus died, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. And we could have sang it, but we never. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Who runs the righteous? If you and I know Christ is Savior, you and I are made right in Christ. So where do you go when you're in trouble? The strong tower who just happens to be the Lord. Is the Lord not good? Yes, Jim. he is. The Lord is good. And as sinners, we have to run to the Lord to take shelter in his goodness and his grace. Psalm 119 Verse 68 says this, you are good and you do good. So God is essentially, infinitely, perfectly and unchangeably good and everything he does flows from us. It is good. I suppose that includes problems and situations. Everything that God sends or allows in a Christian's life is intended Hard as it may be to swallow what is intended for the believer's spiritual and eternal good. One of the best guys that ever lived, I know you've been speaking passages on this because I can't hear how good my boys were and see if I could retire one of these days. But they're up there and they speak on Jeremiah. Jeremiah was aware that things that happen to you aren't always nice. Go and read Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah was afflicted and he was persecuted and the things he went through, and this is what he cried out, Indeed, God has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Amazing. So even a man of God who's so high, I've got to say they like that, with God, he still felt that sometimes he was on his own. And yet at the same time, Jeremiah recognised that when he faced these severe testings the Lord's great love and compassion never fail. So although he was feeling the brunt of a lot of things on the other side to that he's got to acknowledge God is there. And he's still acknowledging in a roundabout way that God is good. You find that in uh, Lamentations. The Lord is good for those whose hope is in him. John Blanchard wrote this. God sometimes turns his hand against his people, but he never turns his heart against them. Brainy man is John Blanchard. Fantastic writer. Isn't that nice? Just, I just wanting to try to make explain it. Do you remember Cain, who after killing Abel, God confronted Cain and told him he was under a curse and he would be a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to God, Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth and whoever finds me kills me. But the Lord said to him, Not so, you'll find that in Genesis 4. Go and read that along with Aham chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord says, no. So when you take that verse, Cain may have felt he was hidden from God's presence, but saying all that, Cain never went out from the protection of God. Isn't that amazing? Even though he did wrong, God still says, I'll look after you. And I think sometimes the things we do. <laughs> Ain't you glad that God is good and He doesn't strike us down, but He loves us? How many chances do you think God's given you? Oh, about 4,633,000. Because God is good. Whenever you want to talk to God, He'll listen. So here was Cain who did wrong. Thought God would ban him altogether, not talk to him, drive him out from his presence and God says, not so. And God still listens to us. Even when we feel we're down in dumps and we feel it, what's going to happen to us and why does God allow these things? Don't tell Hamish. Don't go and tell God. Tell God all about it. Can I ask you a question? Of course you can. <laughs> How is our relationship to God? Who are you how are you with god we may all believe but do we fully trust in him and the verse says that he will only be a refuge to those who commit the whole of their lives to his care and we cannot experience the blessing of salvation unless we rest in the lord And when you and I know the Lord, we will know that he is good and that he is a refuge in times of trouble because he cares for those who trust in him. And here's my last point, but we'll say something else later on. God knows those who take refuge in him. You know, I love that verse where God's got my name written in the palm of his hands. We know all these verses, but he knows you. He knows you inside out. And God knows those who come to Him. He cares for those, but He knows those who trust in Him. Nahum assures those who trust in Him that the same Lord knows them. The Hebrew word the same cares for and know are from the same root, an uh, in intimate and personal way. Going back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah used the same words to describe God's commitment to him even before he was born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And Amos spoke of God's word to Israel, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. And that indicates to me the unique, intimate, covenant relationship with his own people. But it's the same for us today who have given him their lives. God's goodness and care for his people arises out of his loving and intimate knowledge of us. If you have taken refuge in him, if you have ran to him for shelter, then let me assure you that he knows you and he cares for you. That's what the verse tells us. God is good and God that knows us and he knows all our weaknesses. And yet he still loves us. He knows our every strength and he wants to use us. The Lord is a good God that cares for us. To trust him, you need to know. You need a relationship Jesus now I realize we live in stressful times the pace of life is enough to confuse or destroy even the healthiest of families even though life is fast-paced and often difficult we cannot allow life sports work or anything else to interfere with or interrupt our relationship with God and somebody wrote these words and I'm trying to put them in so you can understand we need time to build a relationship with god we should be spending time with him we only get to know god by the time we spend with him we need time in prayer talking to him we need time for bible study reading his word helps in getting to know god we need time in worship listening to or for his voice and yes we need time in fellowship with other christians all there Do you know him? Do you trust in him? Do you know him as well as you should? It tells us in these verses, but he only knows those who trust in him. And knowing Christ is very, very important. Matthew 7, I don't want to dwell on this, but it's just to let you know. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, that be not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Let me ask you again, do you know him? Do you trust in him? If you don't know Christ, will be sent away on the day of judgment and yet if you trust him you will be faithful to obey doing his will and so that come that day we'll say well done good and faithful servant come on in and see that all the father has in store for you let me add it didn't say that you have been good and honest or smart, or anointed, or punctual, the verse says, well done, thou good and faithful. Faithful. And I trust all of us follow him. Lead not to our own understanding the Lord is good a refuge in times of trouble he cares for those or or he knows those who trust in him and we speak about the good shepherd and we mentioned that this morning the good shepherd laid down his life for his friends let me tell you a story if I can and then I'll finish I'm probably running out of time The Lord is good because he died for you. The Lord is good because he knows his sheep. And the Lord is good because we take refuge in him. I can't remember if I told you this story before, but let me tell you again. This is Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, one of the greatest actors that ever lived, who was known as the King of Cool. He seemed to have everything. Known for his roles in such films as The Thomas Crown Affair, Bullet, The Towering Inferno, The Sand Pebbles, The Great Escape, The Magnificent Seven, Papillon, loads. Everybody thought he was fantastic, but off screen, McQueen's life was just as fast as the renegade characters he played in films. All the money, cars, alcohol, drugs, and women that a man, never mind that, could ever want at his fingertips. Professional success only inflated his ego. And he experimented in things he shouldn't even went near. He, he, he tried abusive substances that nearly drove him to mental breakdown. Heavy drinker. Serial womanising. Jealousy. Violence. burned through two marriages. McQueen was the highest paid movie star in the world in 1974. After McQueen In the late late 70s, he he disconnected himself. If you know his life story, he disconnected himself from Hollywood because he tried these things and nothing ever worked. And so he decided he would search for a life away from drugs and drinking and, and all the fame. Because deep down, he felt empty and he felt unsatisfied. In the late 70s, he was developing health problems with his lungs. So doctors told him he should move. So in the spring of 1979, he left Malibu for a small quiet town of Santa Paula where he ultimately married his third wife, Barbara. He bought a yellow Boeing Stearman biplane. Now you probably know Steve McQueen was into speed. He drove fast cars, bikes, the whole shebang. And he said, well, you can't drive in the desert, so I'll get a plane. So he bought one of these biplanes and the pilot who taught him was a man called Sammy Mason. That's probably one of the last photographs ever taken of, of Steve McQueen, but that's Steve McQueen there with Sammy Mason. And they became fast friends and they shared long hours in the air take, talking together about the meaning of life. And Steve McQueen sensed that it was something different about Sammy Mason. The more time they spent together, the more he wanted to know why Mason was a satisfied person. What was the secret? And one day Steve McQueen asked him outright and Mason sat down with the actor and explained what or rather who had made the difference in his life. And um, Sammy Mason told uh, Steve McQueen that he loved Christ as his Lord and Savior and had given him his life. And McQueen was intrigued. And Steve McQueen has such respect for this guy and his family, that he began attending the church he went to, which was Ventura Missionary Church. The pastor of that church was a guy called Leonard DeWitt. And DeWitt later recalled that the famous icon, the famous star, had sat quietly in the balcony without even introducing himself to all these people. Didn't he come in and say, oh, I'm Steve McQueen, I'm not good, blah, blah, blah. He just sat there quietly for months. And then he asked for a meeting. With Dewitt, and McQueen began firing off questions about life and faith one after another. And after a couple of hours, he leaned back and said, "Well, that about covers it for me." And Dewitt said, "This, Steve, I just have one question for you." And Steve McQueen flashed his signature smile, Do you know that grin he had. And this is what he said: McQueen says to Dewitt. You want to know if I've become a born-again Christian? He preempted what DeWitt was going to ask him. Then, still smiling but very, very serious, he told DeWitt that one morning, when the pastor had given the invitation, he felt convicted by the Spirit. When you invited people to pray with you to receive Christ, I prayed, and I invited Christ into my heart. So, yes, I'm a born-again believer and the folk who knew steve mcqueen could tell that he was changed sammy mason said it was the most dramatic change in a person's life he'd ever seen i doubt that i have ever seen a man flourish with more spiritual reality in such a short time and under the discipleship of mason and dewitt mcqueen could often be found praying or poring over his bible for Christ was his refuge. And Steve often spoke about these flying lessons. I don't know if you can see that, but that's a poster. Sammy and me would fly and he'd tell me about the Lord. I'd listen and fly. It made sense. In December 1979, Steve McQueen was diagnosed with a fast-spreading incurable form of cancer. A cancer traced to asbestos exposure from his time in the military prior to his acting career. And McQueen recalled stripping asbestos off pipes in a ship's engine room during his stint as a U.S. Marine. And as you know, the actor also worked around stage uh, insulation because McQueen had, uh, you know, because of all the asbestos that was in these things. And when McQueen was told the news was crushing, because Steve McQueen expected God to cure him. expected God to use him in some great way that he would draw others to the saving knowledge of Christ. But God had other plans. And he told the pastor one day he was able to endure the illness. He was able to endure everything. He said, my body is broken, but my spirit isn't broken my heart isn't broken. It was McQueen's faith that gave him the courage to fight in the final months of his life. His faith also gave him peace in his final dying days, along with Barbara, his wife, who was also a Christian. One of the last people that Steve McQueen spoke to was Burley Graham. Steve McQueen always had this longing to meet Burley Graham, so the pastor dewitt contacted the Graham organization. Informing them that McQueen didn't have much time left and it would be good if he managed to see the evangelist. And so Billy Graham came. McQueen was going to be taken in a car to an airfield to get on a plane to be flown to some hospital so that the tumours could be cut out. So Graham was desperate to get there in time. And he got there. So Graham actually travelled in the car with Steve McQueen. Or the ambulance probably, until they got to the airport. He was bedridden and in oxygen. And McQueen was still alive, and Graham's words were he was a fighter. And Billy Graham says us, under that oxygen he would talk, his eyes were just as bright, but he looked emaciated and old. And he poured out his life story to the evangelist, telling him about his friend Sammy Mason and how he shared the Lord, telling him how God was good and how God made him a new man. At the same time McQueen had misplaced his Bible so Graham personally inscribed his own Bible and gave it to the dying actor and he stayed with Steve McQueen's side and prayed with him until they reached the airport then he saw them off on the plane. Steve McQueen never survived the operation. Four days after meeting Billy Graham McQueen aged 50 went to be with the Lord. He died of a heart attack with the evangelist's Bible resting on his chest. And it was opened at his favorite verse, that old familiar promise, yet so profound that the angels can't even comprehend it, for God so loved the world. Why I tell you this story is this, Steve McQueen did some truly despicable things, and yet he came to God and God was so good even no matter what Steve McQueen had done God accepted him because Jesus the good shepherd had died for him and Steve McQueen came to realisation that the good shepherd died for him in order to bring him from death to life and was forever so grateful so so The Lord is good. He knows his sheep. And he knows those who take refuge in him. God is good. He made us. He loves us. He cares for us. He died for us. He provides for us. He's given us family, friends, fellow members. We said all that this morning. We could go on and on and on. And God is good. And never forget how how good God is. Is. Every day, this world around us changes, sometimes for the good and sometimes for the bad. But let me assure you, we serve an unchanging God that loves us and embraces us at all times. Back to Jeremiah, God says to us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is our God a God who is good, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. And that being the case, then surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life.